Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Defenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my old buddy, longtime friend, Guardian Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hello, everybody. It's me and Bill tonight, as usual, and we're glad that you're here with us. So relax and listen. And a lot has transpired since our last podcast uh, 12 hours ago. (laughs) 12 hours ago. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? (laughs) So that requires some explanation. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Do you mind telling them you're leaving town? Yeah, it's okay to say. You'll be back just right before the next podcast time so hopefully i'll be able to upload it but we're having to do the podcast the day after we did the podcast just because of time constraints we're not on eternal time we're on temporal time and it's got us it's got us so here we go no preparation no topic and most crippling of all no questions because the podcast just went out about an hour ago yeah right so so we hope you guys send in some questions from the last podcast went out an hour ago which was what was it called the mystery no no it was so you think you can tell me what the bible is about do you think title like yeah do you think you know what the bible is about yeah because I've had so many people come to me and not really coherently give me an answer to that question about what is the Bible actually about. So it's good to get a mental picture in your head of what that Bible is actually about. about. I went for years calling it the manufacturer's handbook. Right, right, right. The basic owner's instru- manual. Yeah. Basic instructions before leaving Earth and... Those cliches and things, Christianese, they got me too. But I did learn that the Bible is about something, and you will too if you listen to that podcast. Yes, you will. Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm acting like they haven't already listened to it because when this they, airs, yeah, when this when airs, this gets uploaded, yeah. They, so that's why so I, I take back everything I just said. <laughs> Okay, having listened to it, what do you what do you guys think? We haven't got any questions yet. Yeah, but we do have one order of business. We have a uh, rebuke, and someone owes someone an apology. Uh oh. Uh oh. Guard dog Steve, did you call Abraham Father Abraham just a few days before Father's Day? Did you call Father Abraham a Yahoo? I did. I did. Only in the flesh is he a Yahoo. Uh-oh. Only in the stories about him. 
is he a Yahoo? In God's eyes, he is a cool cat. He is. And in your defense, you said we're no better. Right. We were. We, we boasted about we would never have slept with Hagar, and we would never have, well, for me, I would have never given my wife to the, the Pharaoh. Anybody. Not because I was afraid of Pharaoh. I was afraid of what my wife would do. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Isn't She'd that get the that truth? net going. But there is one thing I could say is that if you're ever looking at the Old Testament and wondering how you would fare compared to those people or you're listening to messages that, that talk about the character of this Old Testament character and how we're to show character like that, then you're not seeing the trees for the forest. Yeah, I've done a few of those. If you think that the Old Testament is, is our stories about people that either made it or failed, got the wrong idea of what the Old Testament is teaching about. It's teaching about Jesus. It's giving you the stories about what Jesus was doing through the annals of time. Yeah. In that Old Testament. It, the Old Testament, like Jesus said, you diligently search the scriptures, but I tell you, they speak about me. So if you're not seeing Jesus in the story that you're reading, can't figure out a way to see him, then you've got to still keep rereading that story because Jesus is there in the story. Yeah. I, how many Bible studies have you done where you, this is what Joseph did? None. How can uh, we like Joseph be like I've Joseph? I've never done a, a one, not one. You've one, never uh, finished one. You always. Yeah, I've never done one, to my credit, I can say I've never done a Bible study on the character of Joseph. I've done them on the spirit that was inside of Joseph, the spirit that Potiphar saw. Potiphar saw that Joseph had an excellent spirit. That spirit is the spirit of Christ, and I've done plenty of Bible studies on Joseph's spirit the spirit that was within him. Yeah, actually my question was, how many Bible studies have you attended, maybe like based on a book? Now, I don't hardly think I've ever attended too many Bible studies that were about the spirit of, of Joseph. It was always his character and you should measure up to it. And I always felt like there was two fingers tapping on my chest saying, measure up, measure up. How should we apply this to your life? Yes. So we see I was, we're, we're all yahoos, but the point of this is, Steve, what actually what Romans 4 brought out so beautifully was the way God sees him. Sees all the Old Testament characters, all, all the, the failures in the Old Testament. And he also sees us that way. And he sees us, and he sees you that way. The people out there listening to this podcast, he sees you out there that way. So we should say, what way? Well, let's... Do the Romans 4 real quick, at least for a couple minutes. I think that's a great one to start off on because it's upcoming Father's Day. We don't have a Father's Day podcast. So this per is, se. Yeah, partly. This may turn out to be a Father's Day podcast. We'll see. It may very well be. Lord willing, James 4.15. Let's see how God views Abraham. 
Father Abraham. And all of the Old Testament characters. And this is how God views you and I. No matter how bad our day was, this is how God views you and I, too. If you get nothing else out of this podcast, please get this one truth. You can go through life on this one truth. You can. Okay, I'm going to start in Romans 4.17. As it is written, A father of many nations have I made you, in the sight of him who believed even God, who gives life to the dead, and calls into being that which does not exist. Doesn't call him a yah. In verse 18, this is a description. This is how God sees Father Abraham. Yes, and how he sees things that don't exist is as if they were existing. Yes. And in a minute, we're going to tie Father Abraham's view that God saw into the view God saw of you. Verse 18, in hope against hope, he believed in order that he might have, might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken so shall your seed be and without becoming weak in faith contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb yet with respect to the promise of God he did not waver in unbelief but he grew strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully assured that he what he had promised he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only, it is written that it was reckoned to him, but for our sakes, your sakes, my sakes, Steve's sakes, but for our sake also to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe in him was who raised Jesus from the dead from our Lord from the dead Jesus our Lord from the dead I'm sorry in other words God described a man who had given his wife to the king of Egypt for sex he had sex with his own maid him and his wife both fell on their faces and laughed at God He said Abraham never wavered in faith. He never doubted for a second, even though he was laughing at God, saying, really, will I really have a a kid at 100 years old? In other words, in the Old Testament, he showed no faith at all. But God sees things that don't exist, that don't exist in the story about Abraham as existing. They exist in God's mind, namely the faith. God sees the faith in Abraham as existing, although you can read the story of Abraham and you won't find Abraham's faith existing anywhere. And that's the way he sees you. He sees you as a cool cat. He does not count your sins against you. He said, I'm making a covenant where I won't. And just like he sees Abraham through this new covenant lens, and he just gave you an example of seeing Abraham through the new covenant lens, he sees you through the new covenant lens. And when he describes you, he says, 
oh, Joe is a great guy. He, he's got such great faith and he, he's never pure. He's really pure. He never does anything wrong, no matter how bad you mess up and how many things you get wrong. That will be God's testimony about you at the end of time. Amen. So let's let's look at another passage. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Okay. Verse 11. I know it needs some background. We'll get it. Okay. But 11 is our Father's Day verse. Yeah, that's our Father's Day verse. Very good Father's Day verse. Okay. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Okay, by itself it kind of has no meaning. You're right. By itself it has no meaning because we need to get the context. But I want you to focus on this one sentence, this one statement. I can do that. He is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Okay. He is not ashamed of us. Good news. We might be ashamed of ourselves. Right. But he is not ashamed to call us his brothers. And we have the same father. Yes. Father God. Now, let's start by defining this word sanctified. Okay. It says, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one father. Sanctified theological word. Right. We don't, I don't have a redneck Greek word study for it, but it simply means set apart. Set apart yeah. for a purpose. It's like this piece of chalk here. This chalk has a sanctified purpose. It's right on the chalk. Uh, if I was to throw it at, at you. You'd be doing something unsanctified with it. Yeah, I would be doing some, something unsanctified. Right. Well, he's the one that sanctifies us. And we'll see in a few verses earlier how he did that through his death. Because it said he, the one who sanctified those who are being sanctified, right? Yes, Is that the what it one said? who sanctifies and the ones who are being sanctified have yeah. the same father. father. Yes. When Abraham was called to his cohortative purpose, he was sanctified. He was set apart for a specific purpose. And because God was the one that sanctified and he was the one that sanct was sanctified, he carried out that purpose without wavering in faith, without doubting, without ever acting in unbelief. He perfectly fulfilled the purpose he was sanctified for. Does that make sense? Yes, even though we saw him as a yachted. There you go with the yacht. <laughs> Got him again. Got him again. And we feel like we're yahoos. Yeah, we do. I do plenty of times. I almost feel like one now for what I said. When you feel like a yahoo, remember this. He's not ashamed to call you his brother. Not ashamed. No matter how bad the day gets. And when his spirit is doing something through you, you are wow. being sanctified at that moment. Tracking just right when he's doing something through you. And you're being sanctified. Yeah, totally. You are sanctified. You're just living righteous right at that moment. You were called for a purpose. Yes. Set apart for a purpose. Yes. And he set all the believers 
so to speak, Mm -hmm. apart for a purpose. And he prepared works in advance for them to walk in. For each person. He sanctified them to do these works. These many, many millions of tasks that he wants to do through us. And he always sees us as fully equipped, fully able, and fully, what's the word? Dedicated. Uh, Dedicated, cooperative. Yes. To the purpose. But let's go back a few verses. Okay. What do you think? Maybe verse 8. Okay, in chapter 2, which was verse 11 we read, he's comparing Jesus to the angels. The superiority of Jesus to even the angels. All through chapter 2 he is. He's saying Jesus is much greater than any of the angels or us. And he says... For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten thee? Which of the angels did he subject the world to come? For he did not subject angels to the world to come concerning which we are speaking. Verse 6. But one has testified somewhere, saying, What is man that thou rememberest him, or the son of man that thou art concerned about him? Thou hast made him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, as and has appointed him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in subjecting all things he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to, but we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Okay, we need to explain that. Yeah, that he might taste death for everyone. It sounds horrible, but it's awesome news. It is awesome news. First, let's, that word might... It's not really like the way no. we think of might. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. It's not. It's another cohortative purpose might. It actually is. Yes. It's, it's given the subjunctive mood because it's a purpose. Yes. For the purpose of, of tasting death for every man, he subjected him to death. Yes, exactly. He did it for a reason. He did it for a reason, and after we get to verse 11, we'll see what it did. Yeah. Because it undoes. It un- yeah, that's a good uh, word. Undoes? Yeah. Okay. Undoes. Undoes. It undoes what happened at the fall. Amen. When we swallowed the lie and the sin. Ate the apple. Entered into us. Yes. yes. It undoes that. It undoes that. That's a great thing to undo. So when it says that he might taste death for everyone. It was his purpose was to taste Jesus would be the one that said that it fell on that the day you eat of from that tree, you shall surely die. And it was in dying, you shall die. And the dying part is the feeling alienated from God. Shame. The shame. Yes. We just read, for this reason, he's not ashamed. Right. But we were ashamed. We were ashamed of ourselves. And if you remember back to the garden in Genesis 3, that after they ate from the tree, they hid from God because they were ashamed and they were afraid. They were afraid of the very one that created. They were afraid of the one that they had 
fellowship with, that met with them every day in the cool of the day. Every day they had fellowship and joyous times. And now all of a sudden, because of the fall, something drastically changed. Something drastically changed in their mind, in their perception of the one who created, the one who was their father. What happened was they believed the lie. Remember, the serpent came with a lie, with a story. Did he really say you shall not eat from all the trees? And she said, only from the tr- we can eat from all the trees, but the tree in the midst of the garden, we shall not eat of it, for we shall surely die. And the serpent said, you shall not surely die, because God knows in that day you will become like him, knowing good from evil. So there was a little bit of truth, but there was a lot of lie. They would know good good from evil. But the lie was, you shall become like him. What had he done in chapter one and two? You shall be like a god. You shall be sovereign. Didn't he say, Adam, you're sovereign over everything? Already told him he was. Over the plants, the animals. Yes. He brought every animal to Adam. Who named the animals? Adam. Whatever that Adam called the animal. That's what it was. That was was. That sounds like sovereignty. Yes. And he said, God doesn't want you to be sovereign over the planet. So so the lie was, you'll become like God, but without God. We were supposed to be sovereign over the planet, but God sovereign over us. Not to rule over us, but in a loving way, I'll be your everything, which is his name. I am. I'm everything you need. I'm your provision. I'm your life. So it says when they believe the lie in Romans 5.12, and believing the lie was the fall. So when they believe the lie, it says literally the sin entered into the world. And the death, which got its entrance into the world through the sin. That feeling of shame. That feeling of, yes, naked and ashamed. So it says that the sin entered the world through one man. That was Adam and Eve believing the lie. And death, the shame, got its entrance into the world through believing the lie. And after believing the lie, every person has shared in this same experience that they feel ashamed to be in the presence of God. Right. And that's a problem. But that's what Hebrews 2.11 just says. Let this speak to you and me and everyone listening to the podcast. Hear this loud and clear. He solved the problem. He is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Yes. Should I say it again? Yes, you should. And tell us why he's not ashamed. Because it says why he wasn't. Because he tasted death for everybody. That's he. He is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Because, going back to, was it verse 10? Yeah. He tasted death for everyone. And it wasn't that he might. He did. He did. For the purpose of doing what he did. In other words, one died for all, therefore all died. Yes, having concluded this. In God's eyes, we tasted death and paid the penalty for sin. Remember he said, if you eat the apple, you will die. Well, when Jesus tasted death, in God's eyes, we all died. Yes, and remember Romans 6, 7 says that the one who has died has literally been acquitted from all sin. Yes. That was the purpose of him tasting death for everyone. Yes. It was a... And the reason why he's not ashamed to call us brothers. 
he is not ashamed because now we've been sanctified. Sanctified. The word sanctified is majority of it is used in the Old Testament, and it was always object months or years or days. They were all sanctified. They were all sanctified. And things like the altar, the ark, the tabernacle, the utensils they used, the vessels they used, all sanctified, all to give us a picture of what we are. They were set apart for a specific purpose. They were holy. They had a specific purpose. Just like we are. Just like we are. We are a vessel that God uses. We are an instrument of his. If you want to do Romans six fourteen, we are, and we're to do good works, sanctified to do good works for Him to do good works through us. To be more specific, to, yes, to be set apart, sanctified vessels, yes, for good like, works that He's pre- already prepared in advance for us to walk in, just like, like He planned all that for Abraham to walk in. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He prepared in advance advance for us to do. Correct. And so in the Old Testament, we had a lot of pictures, but they were all objects Objects. and days and years and weeks. Yes. In the New Testament, it's people. It's people. It's us. Praise God. And if you're sanctified, another word is made holy or set apart. Saints. Yes. means all means is pretty much the same thing. Right. Doesn't that change your image of you just a little bit? From a Yahoo to a, a vessel suitable for the purposes of God. Yeah, image of me. That's such a powerful thing. The image we have of ourselves, it can grip us and paralyze us. These scriptures are meant to break us free from that rotten image of us and to do just what you just just said. Have the image of us that we are the vessel that God uses God could use anything he wants, but he chose us to be the vessels. It's it's, it's something to be proud of. And That's he, the image of us we should carry. Yes, and you've been made suitable to do such a purpose. Yes, and that, he had to die to do that, make us suitable. That's why he tasted death for every person. Yep. So if you get nothing else out of this podcast, and that's a huge thing to get, know this that he is not ashamed to call you brothers. Yes. You might be ashamed of what you act, how you acted today. But when you're ashamed, you're actually believing the lie of the sin. Right. That you're no good. Right. God can't use someone like you. Right. You'll if God has a purpose and a plan for you, you'll mess it up. Right. But he sanctified us. Which is good news because it means that he can use us. We're usable. He is. It's good news. Let me ask you this. Do you want to go back to the passage now? Yeah, I was just saying we are what Old Testament called sanctified vessels. We are sanctified vessels. Amen. Suitable for his use. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. I can't read that enough. I love that. Yeah, yeah. He is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Amen. That was verse 11. I'm going to 14. 
Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, the accuser, and might deliver those who through the fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Oh man, Bill, you, you got to read that again. Just read it one more time. It's music I, to my ears. I will be glad to do it. Since then the children have flesh and blood, he himself also became flesh and blood. Likewise, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the accuser, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Oh, man. I wanted you to read it again because that's what frees us from slavery to futility. Always stumbling and messing up and messing up. It sets us free from that treadmill. We don't have to live in that lie. No. That we're worthless. Right. And trying to prove ourselves worthy. No, no, because that's where the slavery is. Let me say it like this. If we think we're alive and we're still trying to prove to God that we're good, we're going to fail because that's where Satan can reign and master us and enslave us. But if we realize that we're dead and that we are the vessels that Jesus uses, then Jesus himself sets us free from all that futility as he's using us. That is, it reminds me of 2 Timothy, I think it's 2.20, where there's vessels for honor honor, and vessels for dishonor. And it says if a man cleanses himself of the dishonor, he is a vessel suitable for the master. Well, we we can't cleanse ourselves. No. But that's what it says, that through death he destroyed him. He cleansed us. He cleansed us. And we can hold on to that truth just like we are cleansed cleansing ourselves That's in what a sense it does cleanse me. us yes we're cleansed we're, we're sanctified to understand that jesus cleansed us for all time us who are trying to get to be better and better christians us who are trying to become more sanctified he has sanctified us for all time to understand that in that we are the vessels for Jesus to use gets us off the performance treadmill that we talked about so much in Romans 7 when Paul was saying, I'm a flesh sold into bondage to sin. I don't do what I want to do and I do what I don't want to do and I don't understand this. But if I'm doing it, it's not me. It's sin dwelling in me because I know that no good thing dwells in me that is in my flesh. The wishing to do good is in me, but the doing of good is not. That's that slavery. Yes. And that's that deception. Because you'll never be a more suitable, sanctified vessel than you are right now. Never be. You're already ready. You already a vessel suitable for his purpose. 100% stone cold. And you didn't make yourself no. He right. did it. That's why he said he tasted death for everyone. So and Satan can't take that away. He can't accuse you. The accuser of the brethren has nothing to accuse you of. No. 
No, because he who has died has been acquitted from sin. Romans 6, verse 7. Verse 7. Do you not know? Romans 6, 7. We do know these things. We do know that through the grace of God, we were accredited with dying and paying for our sins, and now we are sanctified vessels the rest of our lives, no matter how bad the day gets, no matter what we do wrong and how bad we mess up, in God's eyes, we are sanctified. In God's eyes, he sees us just like he saw Abraham, not wavering in unbelief, just steadfast and strong in faith. He sees Bill is steadfast and strong in faith. He sees Steve is steadfast and strong. And the devil can only lie to us and say, that's not true. You're guilty. You're a living, guilty person. You're guilty of letting God down because you've had a bad day. But see, that's what Paul wanted us to know. Remember, he said, do you not know that all of us were who were identified with Christ were identified with his death? Yes. We were buried with him through death. In order that Christ was raised from the dead, we too might also walk in newness of life with no shame. And that's what we do as Christians in the 21st century. We walk in that newness of life, the newness of the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit's power. That's what this new covenant is about. When he said, I will put my spirit in each one of you and I'll remember your sins and lawless deeds no more. He meant it. He would put his spirit in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's the sanctification benefit. Yes, we are. His spirit is in you doing for you what you can't do for yourself. You are now a living, sanctified vessel. You are. That's that's the way to say it, Bill. That's the. You are a living, sanctified vessel when He is working through you, doing His purpose. And when He is not working through you, those things He remembers no more. Amen. What a great Father's Day. We didn't even intend to, but what a great Father's Day message. Amen. Amen. He's our father and he's not scared for us to be called brothers either. No, our father is not ashamed of us. He's not ashamed of us. I heard a story one time. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big storyteller, but it, it was Franklin Graham told this about his father. What kind of t- turned his whole life around was his father was Billy Graham, of course, and he was in a meeting with all these high-powered evangelists, and they were planning the Crusades. This goes back to the 60s. And his son came in, who was strung out on drugs and just living a pretty reckless lifestyle. Ashamed of himself. Very, Yeah, exactly. He was very ashamed of himself. And he asked the secretary if he could send his father out. But his father said, no, send him in here. I want these people to meet my son. And he said... Franklin said, when he saw the look on his father's eyes, just the compassion and love he had for him, and he showed no shame whatsoever. This was his beloved son. Mm -hmm. He said, just that feeling I got from knowing my father, even though I've messed up all this stuff, loved me and was not ashamed of me. He said it changed his life. Amen. That's what changes it. And it can change anyone's life. It's changed my life. 
It's the grace of God that leads us to repentance. I'm not, I'm not afraid of God anymore. Yes. I, I don't have that feeling. And when I do, it doesn't last long. No, I'm not afraid of God either. I know to run to God when I'm having that bad day, when I'm embarrassing myself. I know what to do now. Run to him. Not sow fig leaves together. No, I don't sow fig leaves. I used to. I used to. But now I go to the throne, like it says in Hebrews 10, go to the throne with confidence. Those fig leaves were the same word as used a bunch of times. It was like what people use in, in battle, like their ammunition belt and their shield and all that. It's it's We call it our defense mechanisms. Okay. Where we lie about ourselves. Yes. We we tell stories about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we fig leaf ourselves. We fig leaves ourselves because yeah. we're afraid of what people will think of us. That's why Jesus said you hypocrites means masked people. Play actor. Yeah. Play actors. The, the thing is, we don't have to act. We're truly sanctified. He thoroughly put away sin once for all, and he made you a suitable, sanctified vessel that he can use at any moment of any time, and he will. And he's already prepared the good things he wants to do through each one of us in advance. And you have the hope of him doing something through you each and every day. As a matter of fact, each and every minute of the day, Jesus can go off in you, and you can feel heaven on earth. You can experience the God of the universe using you as a vessel. That's where we want to get people to in Christianity, not the the convoluted thinking that they're doing about all these misguided, crazy ideas. There's only one. I live by the Spirit of God within. Really simple. That's what... Paul said, this is my way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church. Does that leave anything out? This is what he teaches. (laughs) Pretty consistent. Yes. So that's it. That's our Father's Day message to you is never forget that your Father in Heaven is not ashamed of you. Right. Because... And Jesus, your brother, is not ashamed of you. Go ahead, Steve, I interrupted you. Don't forget that because if you do forget it, that's when you get back on the performance treadmill, and that's what gives Satan his point of ambush. And he can overpower you and enslave you all again when you're just trying in your human strength to please God. As noble as that is, don't do it. Give the pleasing God to his son, Jesus, who is living in you on planet Earth. Isn't that what that means? Apart from law or performance, sin is dead? Sin is dead. It's dormant. Apart. It's dormant. Remember this first. Apart from law, sin is dormant. And another one that comes to mind is Romans six fourteen. Mm-hmm. Sin shall not be master over you. He shall not enslave you because you are not under law, but you're not under performance, but you're under grace. Yeah. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. We should be saying that more. We've gotten away from saying that one thing. We should incorporate that truth 
into our podcast a, a little more. I vote yes. Yeah. Do, do you maybe want to close us in prayer? Yeah. Okay. Father God, thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for sending your Son, for clothing him in flesh and blood, for allowing him to live the perfect life, pleasing you in every way, and taking to the cross all of our sins, all of our faults, all of our shortcomings, and the total, complete lie that we believe from the enemy, and putting it to death. And having put it to death, Jesus, you were raised from the dead, and you became a life-giving spirit so that we could be sanctified vessels. You sanctified us, and we are sanctified. And as the verse said, we have the same Father, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Love you guys. Good night. Good night. We've got so much to tell you about all that's going on with guardians of grace and all that we're doing we we should keep be keeping you up to date but every time we just go off in the scriptures and use all our time in the scriptures but we will we will get a chance to tell you about good things that are happening good things that are happening all the time yes and we thank you for those good things that are happening because you're a big part of what is going on that's good it's you guys You're ministering to us. Okay, good night.